0: from the beautiful, consolidated, yet-to-be-named studio here at the headquarters of All Marine Radio. I think it should be the Trauma to Joy studio. That's what I think. So, good morning on this, uh, on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, you know, I always tell everybody how crazy my life is, um, in a very, very good way because of this. And, uh, and it continued all weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I just can't tell you Um how cool it is. Um I mentioned um I just it's just uh it's just amazing and you're gonna meet uh, or you're going to hear again from somebody who's one of those stories today his name is Ronnie Reyes um and I'll read you an email he sent me last night um I'm writing a letter of recommendation for Ron um he wants to get on a panel to help um other families uh who've lost somebody okay so we asked, um, Uh, who've lost somebody, so I'll write him a letter of recommendation today. Um, he writes me this now. If you if you if you've never heard my interview with Ron, I've done a couple of them, and he'll he'll be on the program this morning to update us on a story. Um, but um, his father was killed at Khe Sanh in the Vietnam War. So one of the major battles that Marines fought in, Ron's dad was killed there. And he's a young guy. I want to see his 19, 20-year-old Marine. And trying to, you know, trying to pull somebody back into a fighting position. After they'd been hit, he was hit by machine gun fire and killed. Um, He tells this story about uh, his mom and dad were not even married um, at the time. They were going to get married when he came home. And um, he tells the story that at his dad's funeral, his mother, uh, there's a piece of glass covering the body. His mother laid him on the glass. He's a, I don't know, how many-month-old baby. And he says, she knew that was the closest I'd ever be to my dad. And you hear that, and you're just like, oh, my God. And so Ron tells a story. His name is Ronnie. R-O-N-N-I-E. Reyes. R-E-Y-E-S. So he comes on. And he tells this story. um, About. um, He tells a story about. How he gets into this group. For gold star. Vietnam kids. Now. But they're now they're all, you know, Ron's age. I don't know, in it forties maybe. And so Ron never had met any other kids like him, and they were kids who, you know, they didn't they didn't make cards for Father's Day, okay. They didn't go out and buy a gift for their dad because their dad was dead. And so he joins this group, and I think they're they're the only group that's allowed to do anything at the Vietnam Wall and they're allowed to clean it on Father's Day and they have a picnic that weekend. So I think they, they might have a picnic on father, actual Father's Day and they're allowed and they help I guess clean it um, that weekend too. So he tells this incredible story of finding this group of people. And, um, and he went, he's been back to Vietnam several times. Well, um, the last time um the last time, they uh, he he goes back and he has this idea, right? He has this idea that um, that he wants to build houses, and so he comes on and we talk about it. And he wrote he wrote this last night. On a side note, we just completed construction of the first peace home in Vietnam a couple of weeks ago. The second one, near Khe San, where Ron's father was killed, is very close to completion. Your lessons have stuck with me. Help yourself by helping others. Turn trauma into joy. So I get that like last night at what time? Nine ten. <laughs> but my whole weekend was kind of like that. And uh, I, as I tell you, Um, get in the business of helping people, um, and watch what it does to whatever pain that you live with. Um, it's the best, um, it's the absolute best. So Ron Reyes will join us here at the bottom of the hour. So, um, so we'll, we'll get an update on him. Um, you know, it's funny in the, in the first interview that we did. Um I I I should have been smart enough to tee this up, but um he comes on and he's talking about meeting um Marines who served with his dad. He goes to a reunion. You know, he's kinda of a little bit nervous because he's gonna walk into this reunion and they don't know him from shit, right? So he's just gonna walk uh in and what's gonna happen? Well, you know, they start introducing him, and people throw a fit. And I'm listening to it, and I said, but he keeps talking about Marines using the pronouns they, and, you know, and and I said, hey, don't you understand, motherfucker? You belong to us. And he tells I mean, he's pretty funny when he talks about that. You know, he said, you know, it was I didn't I didn't understand that I don't think. And I said, Well trust me you do. He is us. That means you is us. You got it? And he's like, I got it. So um so yeah, no, just another one of the cool experiences of uh of doing this program. Uh, the people that you meet, and somehow, I mean, kind of uh, the best of this program is uh, the merging of post-traumatic winning with uh, with the incredible culture of the Marine Corps. And it's, you know, it's a thing I probably love about now as, this, as the show has evolved. Uh, it's the thing I love about it the most when you see that. And then you see ultimately, you know, things impacted in the world, and you see the impact of the impact, and so... Uh, so, that's pretty cool. So, uh, what else is going on? A bunch of stuff in the news. A um, bunch of stuff in the news. So, we're, uh, we'll are we talk about that. Again, Afghanistan continues to be in the news. So, uh, again, looking for the truth in Afghanistan and through a lot of hysteria in the media, which is kind of what we do on a regular basis. Um, because it's not too often that they get it right. Um, so, uh, we'll talk about all that today. And like I said, in about 18 minutes, Ron Ray is going to join us and we'll get an update on him from, uh, uh, the, his building projects in Vietnam. Imagine that. I mean, very, co- very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. So on this, uh, on this Monday morning, the th- 12th day of... July, so we're halfway through July already. That means midway, more than midway through summer because kids go back to school for the most part in August. Uh, So, good morning to you. The United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. dedicated uh, a bunch of different people who um, I dealt with and spoke with over the weekend starting last Friday. Um, Just an awesome time, but people that um, uh, either have had their touch lives by post-traumatic winning or want their lives touched by post-traumatic winning because they've heard about it, somebody told them, the person that told me is no bullshit. Um, Yeah, that's my favorite part of uh, when people contact me yeah but you've been in programs before oh my god yeah that's why this kind of got me interested because the person that told me about them they're no bullshit i said really and i said who is it and they tell me the name i said yeah they are no bullshit so just dedicated to a whole bunch of people who i won't name um and uh I I I always say that I'm excited um, about the change that will take place in them because I I know what's going to happen when they get on this path and they hear the truth and they see the path and they do it. Nice. <laughs>
2: But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. so young folks, you ignore what I just said?
0: That is always funny, okay? And you know he's had, he uses both those lines on a regular basis, but, but let me tell you, I laugh every time I hear it. We just have to execute. And we are executing. and it's not like that guy's a funny guy all the time either, okay it's he's not. Right, He's a pretty sober dude. Every day, and
1: Sergeant Major, and I am very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds, and win.
0: You got to win. Right, right, we'll check the weather. We'll check news headlines, and there's a bunch of them. And then uh, Ron Ray is going to join us. So we start, as is a, our custom, in Quantico, mostly sunny in 85 in Quantico. Mostly sunny in 83 at Camp Lejeune down the coast. Uh, Marine Corps Base 29 Palms is sunny in 93 already. Camp Pendleton, sunny, mostly sunny in 68. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark, cloudy, and 70. Okinawa, dark, cloudy, and 81. In the Philippines, it is dark, cloudy, and 84. And in Darwin, in the northern part of Australia, it is clear, dark, and 71. Currently, it is cloudy and 69 degrees in the Costa of Mason, Newport Beach area of Southern California. Looking for a high of 76 today, 76 tomorrow, 76 on Wednesday, 75 on Thursday, and on Friday, 76. That is a look at your weather. The uh, To the news we go. Yep. Yeah, because that's how we do it. Um, news headlines. Stars of Stripes. Um, top story is that uh, top general in Afghanistan uh, hands over command as the withdrawal reaches its final stage there. So um, what would happen is that the commanding general in Afghanistan would hand over command, uh, to the commanding general of CENTCOM as, uh, Afghanistan, that command folds its flag. So, um, whatever is left in Afghanistan are all CENTCOM assets now. So Scott Miller, uh, folded his tent, reported, I would imagine mission accomplished. And in a ceremony, um, Sat next to General Frank McKenzie, uh, four-star general and commanding officer of CENTCOM, as uh, as uh, the ceremonial uh, things were done, which normally happens well after the things are done on the ground. Um, general McKenzie attempted to reassure Afghan officials at the ceremony that the U.S. will continue to help Afghanistan even after most troops leave. Uh, Quote, it's not the end of the story, rather it's the end of the chapter. You can count on our support in the dangerous and difficult days ahead. So, um, General Miller, in his comments, said this, we can all see the violence that's taking place across, across the country, Miller said, adding that the fighting makes a negotiated settlement different. The plan to transfer authority to McKenzie, who leads Central Command, had been announced by the Pentagon much earlier. So 90% of the withdrawal is complete in Afghanistan, and the remaining assets are CENTCOM assets. So, um, yeah, that's what's going on in Afghanistan. So uh, uh, if you didn't listen to last week's discussion with... uh, Jeff and Will, um, uh, I would recommend that to you because um, I think if you paid attention to what they've said, which is, you know, Afghan will hold on as long as U.S. is paying money, and you understand that this is primarily a business, you know, event in Afghanistan, that it's not ideologically driven. And so for the most part, you will see accommodations made. You won't see a whole lot of fighting. Uh, you'll see, you know, things change hands. And then it will reach a point where we're going to see if the Taliban are going to try to take over the whole country. So um, so that's in uh, and, and our discussions last week. Um, were interesting because they talked about the different districts that have been in, in, the, in the news here in the United States yesterday that have gone over and things like that. So it's a pretty, you know, nuanced discussion about all that news and trying to separate it. And so, uh, so yeah, I, w- I would recommend that to you. Uh, next story of interest in Stars and Stripes is Iran cheers U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan but fears what could follow. And uh, this is a Washington Post story, appearing in, uh, in Stars and Stripes. I'm, I'm just looking for any quote. Seeking an upper hand in Afghanistan, Iran has cultivated ties with some Taliban factions and softened its tone towards the extremist group, which it sees as all but certain to remain in power. The gamble has elicited a fierce debate in Iran where the repressive Taliban is viewed unfavorably and skepticism of U.S. intentions runs high, even as the Biden administration makes slow headway in talks to return to the 2015 nuclear deal from which Donald Trump withdrew. Quote, Iran is going to be harmed immensely by chaos and civil war in Afghanistan, said Fatima Amman, a non-resident senior fellow at the Middle East Institute citing in particular Tehran's fear of the Islamic State-Afghanistan affiliate gaining ground. They see partial rule as the best-case scenario with the Taliban in power. But Iran's increasingly public overtures, overtures to the Taliban could be a miscalculation, Amman said. Iran believes they are using the Taliban, but some could argue the Taliban is using Iran to present themselves as more powerful and more worthy of ruling the nation. So so interesting. So uh, news from in the region. Wall Street Journal. Uh, top stories. Cuban protests demand freedom, food, and vaccine. Cubans protest to demand freedom, food, and vaccine. So interesting, and uh, I think, I don't know, I can't recall seeing this. And that is video coming out of a large-scale protest in Cuba. So um, that uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, USNI News, Uh, the French defense minister says France is stepping up security spending and expanding uh, French operations abroad. How about that? Who would have thunk? Why is that important? It's important that free nations of the world at some point have to stand up to China, have to stand up to Russia, and France certainly has to be a part of it. Okay, so investing in their own defense, you know, defending the rules-based order of the world is something that they should do. Um... There's a story that I won't have time to get to today, but the headline in USNI News, a story written by John Grady is, is panel, U.S. began the Afghanistan war with unrealistic expectations. Well, I don't think that. The Afghanistan war, you know, morphs from an operation to punish the people who did 9-11 to nation building. And if anybody who who looked at that endeavor didn't see that as a multi-general war, then, then I think they're foolish, foolish. So, um, let's see. quotes Carter Malkasian who we were talking about um, last week at an event at CSIS which is the Center for Strategic and International Studies so Carter Malkasian he was one of the speakers there so what caused that I don't Um, A few stories from Marine Corps Times. Marines deployed a southern African nation amid pro-democracy protests. A team of 13 Marines with the Marine Security Guard Augmentation Unit have been sent to the U.S. Embassy in the small southern African nation of Eswatini to beef up security as pro-democracy protests in the nation turned violent. Locals in the nation known as Swaziland until 2018 started protesting in late June after King Maswati III banned petitions calling for democratic reform. So Marines on the move, guarding embassies. Top stories in early bird, number one, riding the wave. Defense revenues for businesses rose in 2020. So that's the number one story. Not really sure why. Number two story, the headline is this. USS Bonhomme Richard fire emails raise questions about criminal charges. The Navy has said, so a San Diego television station reported that somebody was being investigated for arson. Um, Navy spokesman says in the article written by Jeff Zulowitz um, that nobody has been charged. Almost a year later. So that in the news. it, it And the article talks about. Um, the chain of emails. That was exchanged. Where that came from. Right. And one is identified as an XO. Not really sure if they're talking about the XO of the ship. Or the XO of a legal detachment. And so blah 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 blah. blah. Anyway the USS Bonhomme Richard. Uh, will be in the news at some point this summer as the Navy releases the investigation. And again, uh, no comment from the Navy about if anybody's been charged with arson. Um, so that is in the news. I'll see if we can get Jeff Zulowitz to come on. Uh, next story U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria face increasing attacks. as fissures form between Iran and militias that it backs. This is an Associated Press story. Rockets landed in and around the heavily fortified green zone in the Iraqi capital of Baghdad, which houses the U.S. Embassy. This past Thursday, two Katusha rockets fell near the National Security Building and in an open one in an open courtyard inside the green zone. The attack, which came shortly before daybreak, followed two separate attacks on bases housing U.S. troops in western Iraq and across the border in Syria, where U.S.-led coalition forces are based. The drone attack, okay, so the drone attack by insurgents or by these militias. Was foiled while fourteen rockets landed in al Assad air base in Western Iraq, lightly wounding two personnel but again and and this is this is the stupidity of the Biden administration in my opinion if If Iran is sponsoring these militias, then the consequences have to be to Iran. As well as the militias. And and this is the game Iran loves to play. We're going to finance it. We're going to set them in motion. And we're going to act like we they don't. Right? They don't belong to us. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. And again. We talk about what happened. When General Soleimani got whacked. The whole place went quiet. For a long time. And. It's just frustrating, right? If Iran sponsors it, Iran has to pay. Um, Here's a Reuters story. Afghan pilots assassinated by the Taliban as the U.S. withdraws. Now, again, to me, this is, this is the way you do it, right? As the United States withdraws, we're going to start killing pilots. We're going to find out who they are. We're going to find out where they live, and we're going to ambush them on their way to or from work, or we're going to find a way to kill him. Afghan Air Force Major Dastagir Zahmure had grown so fearful of Taliban assassination of off-duty forces in Kabul that he decided to sell his home and move to a safer po- pocket of Afghanistan's sprawling capital. Instead of being greeted by a persp- prospective buyer, At his realtor's office earlier this year, the 41-year-old pilot was confronted by a gunman who walked inside and, without a word, fatally shot the real estate agent in the mouth. Zomery reached for his sidearm, but the gunman shot him in the head. The father of seven collapsed dead on his 14-year-old son, who had tagged along. The boy was spared, but barely speaks anymore, his family said. So, That's the way they do it. At least seven Afghan pilots have been assassinated off base in recent months, according to two senior Afghan officials. So get ready for more of it. right? Get ready for more of it. Um, And we're going to talk about this tomorrow with uh, Mark Kansian when he comes on. But um, here's a headline can defense squeeze into Congress's busy agenda. Now, and this is where the Marine Corps is. You know, General, if you didn't listen to the testimony I played a few weeks ago, General Berger straight up told Congress, uh, a congressional panel on power projection or something like that, I've wrung everything I could wring out of the Marine Corps, which was his plan. Divest to invest, right? And a lot of people told him not to do it. Until you get the money. Until you get the guarantees. Blah, 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 blah. So, anyway. But, Marine Corps pressed ahead. And, um... And, so, now Marine Corps finds itself without the financial guarantees. That it can achieve General Berger's vision. And in a precarious position of already divesting. And he said, the only other thing I can do is cut more personnel. So... Um, now, the question is, will Congress come to the Marine Corps and General Berger's rescue? So that's where the Marine Corps sits. This story talks about on Congress's agenda when members return in July, late arriving defense spending and policy bills, as well as President Joe Biden's pick for the Navy secretary, among other Pentagon nominees, over, overshadowing all of the military-focused activities work on a $1.9 trillion infrastructure bill and a reconciliation bill that packages other Democratic economic priorities. Both face resistance from lead Republicans. At the same time, the U.S. is on track to hit the debt ceiling, and Congress will have to raise it or risk default. In a letter to fellow Democrats on Friday, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer said he intends for the Senate to consider both the bipartisan infrastructure legislation and the budget resolution that unlocks the filibuster-proof reconciliation process. He warned he might delay the August recess to cram in all the work. Please be advised that time is of the essence, and we have a lot of work to do. Senators should be prepared for the possibility of working long nights, weekends, and remaining in Washington into the previously scheduled August state work period, Schumer of New York said in a letter. Now, this goes to defense. The House and the Senate return on July 23rd. If Democrats are unable to finish work on their priority bills quickly, defense items that are less of a priority for the Biden administration may have to fight for floor time in the fall, predicted Arnold Panaro, a former Senate Armed Service Committee staff director and now the National Defense Industrial Association board chair. Quote, What the hell, man? In presidential transition years, we're always going to be running late, running slow. But I will tell you, it's as big a backup as I've ever seen. So, that in the news. Now, let me let me get Ron Reyes on the phone. And I'm a few minutes late for that, which I did not intend to be. Um, and we're going to get a little bit of an update. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Why can't I hear you very good? Because I have you on the wrong channel. That's why. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, uh yeah. first of all, Ron, thanks for thanks for coming on and doing this. Yeah, no problem. Um
1: I, I always enjoy coming on.
0: Well, let me tell you, I, you know, I told you last night, I can't tell you how proud I am of, of the work you've done and and you know that whole phrase "trauma to joy." You know it's it rolls off the lips pretty easily. Uh, it's tougher to live, but you, my friend, are um, you're winning it, right? You you're living it, and uh, and so let's talk about what you're doing. First of all, um, tell everybody how this whole project starts. I, I told I talked about you at the start of the program, but if you tuned in late, Ron is a gold star son was raised in a Gold Star family. His father, uh, Lance Corporal, uh, yes, Lance Corporal?
1: Private first class.
0: PFC, Ronnie Reyes was killed in action uh, in one of the biggest fights the Marine Corps had in the Vietnam War um, at Khe Sanh. And uh, Ron found his way uh, to meet guys that were uh, guys who served with his father. Uh, that's pretty interesting experience when he talks about that and you can hear these interviews, you know, he's spelled spelled R O N N I E R E Y E S. Just put that in the search box and there's more than one interview. Listen to them. They're, I'm going to tell you, they're straight up awesome interviews. You find yourself, um, going back to Vietnam. How many times have you been to Vietnam now?
1: Uh, I've been to Vietnam twice and I would have been three times if the pandemic didn't hit last year. So I'll probably be there next year again.
0: Got it. All right. So, um, and so where does this idea of building homes, um, and, and you, you, you have this, you've given this program a name. What's the name?
1: Uh, Peace Homes.
0: Peace Homes.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's not my brainchild, but, uh, I jumped in on it. So it's attached to the two sides project, which is the group I went with in 2015 to Vietnam for the first time where we met with the sons and daughters of North Vietnamese soldiers that were killed fighting our fathers. Um, And so we've always been this extension of, you know, kind of peace and, you know, what do we do with all of this? Um, But it's grown out of that because we went there and and it's we talk about it in our documentary. We went there to find out about our fathers and really what happened along the way as we found out about ourselves in a deep, profound way. Um, and when, ever since we got home in 2015, when I thought it was all over, there was always a, a need. We just, as a group still, like, what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? So we sponsored other trips. We brought some people back to visit from Vietnam at one point. And one of the daughters, while we were there in twenty fifteen, it's like we should do something for family near where our fathers were killed, and that idea is what spawned this whole this whole uh project and so uh during the pandemic, uh, I remember it was March thirtieth twenty twenty so we're already two weeks in the pandemic is when my wife and I announced that you know what? There's no time better than right now to raise funds to build a house in Vietnam. And so we started fundraising last year um, and we raised enough funds to build two separate houses. And so that's where we're at. And these houses will go to families that they already have the house. They're just in horrible shape. They're very poor. They can't support uh, any repairs. And, um, you know, we made selections and then we, we picked the family and, and then construct the house Um, that will stay in that family for generations. So it's a multi-generational thing. Uh, And they may not even ultimately know who we are, what we're doing. And I don't think that's really the point. Uh, It's just to give back and to help somebody else out. And so, you know, it sticks with me what you've said, God, in some of our early conversations. I mean, it's like, uh, well, I may put it the way that, that you say it, is you go through the whole thing of, Okay, I'm helping you out as you tell other people. Okay, you feel better? Okay, now go help somebody else out, motherfucker. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) And it's that kind of, hey, okay, you got a head start. You got a leg up. Don't wallow in your grief. Get on it. Help somebody else. And what it does is help you. And, uh, that. So what,
0: what um, do you think of that plain spoken advice, Ron? I mean, you lived it. You've lived it, right?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it's something I've always, uh, Enjoyed, respected, and there's a way that you put it that's just flat out to the point. Let's just quit bitching and moaning and let's just get to it. Uh and when you hear it like that, it's hard to give any excuses on why you don't do it. You
0: well, know, especially comes- in my opinion, especially when you see that it works. Right? I mean Absolutely. all's bitching and moaning does and and again, there's a bit of that that's normal and natural, and I don't I don't I don't shit on anybody that does it. But when you sit down to have a serious conversation and say, okay, what are you doing to get out of this out of this place? And they look right. at they look at you and like, I don't like. What should I do? I mean, I've gone to therapy. I mean, I've been on meds. I don't like that stuff, and so I just kind of try to get through my day. And you're like, yeah, that ain't enough. So let me show you something. Let me show you something. Right. So once you see it works. Right. I mean, like you and I know there is no other path, right, to wallow in it. There is no
1: other path. You're almost like, OK, what do I do next? I did this. Now, what am I going to do? And right. I guess that's kind of where these came from. Um, I, just to touch on what you just said, I realized I don't live in grief. I don't live there on a daily basis. And, and for some and me, me previously, it becomes a comfortable place. Even when you're in it, you don't want to be in it, but it becomes a comfortable place. That's what you do every day. But I don't live there. Uh, I don't delve into it very often. Um, I tend to live today and not in the rearview mirror. And and what I mean when I say that, when you would live in the rearview mirror, in my mind, the rearview mirror amplifies all that is good or all that is bad. And it kind of depends on where you're at. You know if you hear if you think different, let me know because i I want to run this by you so if you're depressed now, you tend to look back and see the good times and it all amplifies if you're happy now, you tend to look back and see all the trials and tribulations you got to to be here and i'm not I'm realizing that doesn't really serve my purpose of today what am I going to do tomorrow and so that's why. That's what I mean. I, I live today. I don't live in grief. I don't live in the past. I don't. You got to move on because those days are gone.
0: Well, to me, what I think, my experience now, um, after like into the sixth year of of talking to people about this, and and into the third year of going out and speaking about it, um, this path that I call post traumatic winning, um, it it's it's when. You go see people and you get told this is what you need to do to fix yourself, to get better, to get over this. When when that's what you get told and then you go do those things and they don't work, you know, um, what do you do? You know, what do you do? And, and what most people res- resort to is we fake it because nobody wants it. You know I mean, nobody wants other people to know they're struggling with the stuff they struggle with and and then we numb ourselves with something it could be fitness, it could be porn it could be um it could be alcohol, it could be drugs so all the different it could be shopping all the different numbing agents that we use, I would tell you that that's how the overwhelming majority of people deal with it and so I think that's why it's so important you know your intellectual understanding Ron. Of there is no other path, and you've connected those wires in your brain, and now you know it and um and then once you know it, then the question is okay what's ne- always what's next and and you'll be uh, what happens to me is you will be someplace and you'll hear somebody say something, <laughs> and your my head snaps, and I say, "Could I talk to you for a second and they're like, "Yeah, what and I have a conversation with somebody. And I tell them there's nothing wrong with you. Well, all that's normal, man. There's nothing wrong with you. And so, but and so I think the the very first thing that is really important is that intellectual understanding that um, that there is a path that you can walk to to. And your story is so emblematic of it. You know, first you know connecting with Gold Star Kids, right? People that you had no idea were even out there. Your story about. You know, going to the Vietnam Wall and making Father's Day cards and washing the wall and being with these other kids that were just like you still is so vivid in my head. And then you know, and then going to Vietnam and then this, but I mean, you are you are a post traumatic winner in terms of you've walked this path because you've lived both worlds, right? One in which you're one in which you don't know. I mean. What to do? And now, would you care to compare and contrast the two lifestyles for me of living the life you're living now, and where you turn trauma into joy, and living the other life where you kind of just—I I don't want to say wallow in it because it's, there's almost a kind of a self-indictment with the word wallow. Uh, but you—you right. you kind of li- you live in it because you don't know you don't know that there's there's another path. Do you want to give us a recommendation for which one you'd recommend anybody? well
1: obviously I'd rather be uh, on this path and so I mean I'll jump back and and I never prepare for these interviews because I just I never know where you're going to go with it and that's why I like this so you know sometimes I got to think about it but I'll I'll go back you know several years ago and um, living a normal life but really on my motorcycle with my, my group of friends you know we drink a lot pretty much all of us are in on antidepressants at the time living a great lifestyle. So it, it appears, right. and, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy in the fact, but you don't realize what you're masking, right? Um, it's more of an escapism. And so yeah, it's, it's know, the, I, th-
0: those are the numbing agents, right? right? That's yeah. how I numb myself. The,
1: absolutely. So there was a point in time and this became before my, my Vietnam trip where, um, I just went cold turkey off antidepressants uh, and whatever middle-aged, you know, medications everybody was taking. That was the other thing that, that, that clued me in. We're at breakfast. We're all these tough guys on motorcycles, right? So we think, right, we're all professionals. And everybody breaks out all their vitamins and their medications and egg whites here and this here. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? How old are we? And it was after that, and it wasn't, you know, the medication stop was almost immediate, but the, the lifestyle change was was an attitude. Um, and I took myself off of everything. And I'm like, if I'm going to have issues, I got to deal with it head on. And I think that's some of the early signs of how I would deal with things in the future is head on. And There's no excuse. You know, it, it's, it's come more into focus over the last several years. So I guess looking at it that way, I'm looking through these foggy, glasses. Like, okay, I got to adjust my vision. And over time, it's become a lot more crystal clear. So it's a little easier, you know, to do the right thing. But, but I guess, you know, if I could just compare and contrast, I mean, it's just keeping up with the Joe just trying to live life for everyone else. You don't know it, but you are, you know, what, what school do my kids go to? Where, where do we live? What are we doing? All of which I still enjoy, but now none of that has any any uh relevance because now I live in a whole different world um so what,
0: about, what 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 world do you live in now?
1: well that's a world where I'm just uh you know you're you're happy every day uh I'm happy with anything I have wherever i'm at um realizing you know most people have a worse. It doesn't matter what I do. I always seem to bounce back and it's it's just fortitude, right? I, it's like <laughs> you see homeless people all over the place. You see, you know, how did they get there? You don't know. Not everybody's story brutal, but what what's the difference between that and myself? A lot of time it's attitude, right? I mean, uh, you know, trying to correct that boat while it's so far down the river is a little tough, but at one point, Somebody out there in a worse position made a choice, and it might have been 30 years ago. And so, you know, I have to make better choices, and so that's how it does. It's, it's, when you break it down, I guess an easy way to say it, we know what's right and wrong in our own mind. And when you go to do something, if you're going to do something or make a decision, you you just say one thing: is it right or wrong? And if you do the right in your mind, I don't think you ever suffer.
0: Well, here's what I would add to that. One, The problem with that is once you go through trauma, if you go down the recommended course of action, it doesn't help a lot of people. And then you're left with doing what you did, which was I'm going to numb myself and I'm going to get through my day because this is the burden I'm going to live with for my whole life. Until somebody pulls back the curtain and says, hey, there's another path that you could walk down and that's why this that's why this discussion that's why your example and what you do is so important because of the example you set for others and and the lives that will be touched not only in vietnam but all the people that will help you with this program and how it will impact them right and the lesson that you teach them yeah. that 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 this this migration from trauma to joy is real you can do it this is how you have to do it and i think that's the exa- the powerful example that you set by the things that you're doing is huge. And, and and again, I mean, you could probably tell me the different people that have got involved and and how this has made their life different. And, and again, life continues to happen. Bad things continue to happen. And because they understand this now, whatever happens to them in the future, they'll understand how to deal with it because of the, what you've taught them and I think it's that living example it's that constant showing of this path and uh and and the people that get impacted you know that's what brings the joy that's what even the, the even in the midst of tragedy um you know you can you can help people you can ease their pain you can show them a path and that's as good as it gets can't make it better than that can't make it better
1: than I mean, I think your words and um, just reflecting, you know, the amount of time we know each other, your words in the way that you put it, it has a lot of impact on me on the way I handle things. And in the early days, I would question, am I doing this the right way? Am I doing that? Should I be doing this? And I have no question. I forge ahead in my direction. And my thought is, again, is it right or is it wrong? And you're going to have those people that push back and i got to ignore all of them and i got to realize that there's there's maybe only a handful of people that have a positive impact i think it's higher than that now but um and that's what i got to focus on cuz it's easy to get pulled the other direction you know and once you have a i think a, a compass and a direction ahead and there's grief and there's shit that we all have to deal with in different manners i mean you know my grief is going to be different from your grief it's different from the next guy's grief you know my my dad's buddies the way they deal it, it, but but again different.
0: in a nuanced way okay because if if mm-hmm. you, the circumstances are different the grief right. is the same if that i mean that makes sense so the way you get okay. to, to to this circle everybody comes in on a different path but what it feels like to be in that circle is the same so whether you were raped, a victim of child abuse, whether you you lost your father when you were a little baby and that that, that pain, that emptiness that you live with, Ron, right? I mean, yeah. or whether you were at K-Saw and saw and saw that. So in its aftermath, the impact on us is, is what, you know, you, you begin to focus on. So the mechanism and the delivery mechanism that got me here and the path that got me here is all different. But the way it impacts us is the same. And that's why, to me, it's so powerful when you look at veterans and you say, when, when you know, I, I do post-traumatic winning with them. I said, do you know how powerful it is when you look at a, a, a rape victim or a child abusive victim and say there's no difference between you and me? you know how powerful that is to them? Because they think they're so damaged and, and that their life can never be good. And then you're you're going to stand up and you're going to say, oh, no, I'm here to tell you you can live a great life and there's a path that you can walk and they look at you and like holy shit i never thought about it like that so so yeah i mean that's it's 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 i think it's 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 fascinating stuff and but again the importance of living it and and here's the other thing i think is really important you're a no shit dude man like me when no shit people look at you and tell you something it sounds different than it sounds from a PhD, you know, watching something on YouTube. You know what I mean?
1: Right. And and the why that you have you know, such a, a huge impact in half, you know. Right now you just said something that just like I'm like, oh shit. Again, see this oh shit moment. We say we have all different paths to get to the same grief. I'm all out and I and I just wrote it down as a visual. <laughs> like I drew a picture of what that looks like and yeah. it's like Oh shit! We're all in the same group. We just got here in different paths. Right, right.
0: So, and again, like I said, right. so you know when when and that's the power, you know, the healing power of this message that you're living is that. Look, if you were, you know, if you were abused as a child, if you were, if you've been sexually, you know, abused, if you know, if if you've gone to combat, um, yeah, our paths are different. But we're standing here in the same spot now wh- now where do we go? What do we do? How do we deal with this shit? What are the infrastructure things that we need to create in our lives on a daily basis to handle our anxiety, our anger and 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 to win each day and have and have great days and then conversely, what are the things that we have to do when we don't have a good day and we've kind of gotten off the path to get back onto the path and then get going again because that's life. Nobody walks the path exclusively. Everybody winds up getting knocked off and then having to fight their way back on. So that mastering that skill set, right? Um, and but again, I think that in the the life you describe, very predictable. Um, you know the things that you were doing, you know to to numb yourself, to get through the day, to create some happiness in your life because of this burden you lived with when you before you started you know, giving and helping and found, you know, the medicinal magic in, uh in, in, in selflessly giving and changing other people's lives. So you're pretty, your story is a pretty fucking amazing one, man. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, well, I, I think I
1: never, I, I, I never think of it that way. I never, you know, I just kind of move on to the next thing and just, that's just what I do. Well,
0: I know? mean, I won't, I mean, you had the benefit of having a great mom.
1: Absolutely. Hands down. Right. A, a huge difference between myself and many gold star sons and daughters.
0: Right. Is it the family um, very- you you grew up in a in a solid environment with a great mom and 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 you know I'll tell people that I'll meet I'll look at them and I'll say, you know, you're a miracle, you know that, right? And they'll look at me and they'll say, "What?" And I'll say, there's no reason you should be here today. I mean, look, your mother was a drug addict, right? Anorexic, suicide attempt. I mean, you're a corporal in the Marine Corps. Explain that. The only reason you're here is because of your personal character. And you're a miracle. You don't even, I know you don't look at it like that. And they just look at me like, no, I don't. And I'm like, well, you should. Well, you straight up should. And so... Well, I wouldn't classify you as a miracle, Ron, um, because because of your mother. Um, Absolutely right. I
1: mean, that's that's the most of the driver there.
0: Right, um, but it, but right. again, at some point, your mother, you go off on your own to live your own life, and and but again, where the culture points us to is what the medications and the therapy, and what happens is, and, and again, uh, Boston University just released a study. Um, here in the last month, we've had seven thousand and fifty-seven people killed in combat and combat operations in you know our two major wars. We've had thirty thousand people come home and of post nine eleven, you know, service members come home and killed themselves. Now, the wow. exactly wow four.
1: I, I was on Facebook last night and, and uh, a now a Gold Star family. I saw their post. You know her husband was 26 years old he would have been 31 today you know and it's just uh i see more and more of those posts yeah and and so anyway
0: but the problem is the big industrial way that we do mental health for people that have been traumatized is here this diagnosis gets you these medications and these trips to therapy absolutely that's it and it doesn't Uh fucking work and it right. doesn't work. And you are exhibit A for what does work, which is, you know, which is you, you talked about, you know, you know, we're riding motorcycles. It's our happy thing. You know, we're out doing our thing, and we're all on antidepressants. And that's so fucking typical. You know, I went and had lunch with a bunch of yoga instructors, and they were all on antidepressants. And I'm like, what the fuck is, is that- wrong? What is wrong with these pictures? These are the hummingbird people. These are the wellness people. Why right. are they on and so, but that is our industrial way of doing it. And it doesn't fucking work.
1: Well, then it becomes a crutch. Then, you, then you, you hunt for the next antidepressant. You're like, okay, well, they say this is supposed to work, but then you read all the side effects. And all the side effects are the absolute opposite of what you want to happen. Right. You know, suicide rates are higher. I mean, like, what's the use? So you got to fight it in yourself. I want to go back to something, though, you said about, you know, mom being the driver absolutely without a doubt if i didn't have the mom i have i wouldn't be in this spot but i share something
0: yeah ron is a great a great advertisement for it's okay to be a mama's boy absolutely right right um, but, uh, but I'll hey can back. i tell you something i'm looking okay, at yeah. the, i'm looking at the dirt that you gave me from case i have this dirt so i meet i meet <laughs> i meet ron at dinner Okay, the first time I ever meet him, and we sit down at a table, and uh, a guy named Richard Garcia is with us. Yeah, that's right. All right, Richard uh, is a former Navy corpsman, and he's big. No, no, no,
1: no. He's 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 a rifleman. He gets he, really? every time you say that. He's like, what the fuck?
0: I no. thought he was a doc. No, not at all. Oh, anyway, I don't know why I got that in my head. So Richard, former Marine Corps rifleman, and we sit down, and Ronnie pulls out of his pocket dirt from Kaysan, and he gives it to Richard. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? And and I look at him, I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? And Ronnie looks at me like, what? I'm like, you're going to give him Kaysan dirt, and I get shit? <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, I have more. I'll give you some." So, on my desk, and I see it every day. Right is uh, is dirt from Kason, Uh and inside is an Eagle, Globe, and Anchor, and it's a gold one that enlisted Marines wear. And that sits next to the dirt I have from Iwo Jima, right, Bella Woods. And um, Sugarloaf Hill on Okinawa, yeah. So it's part of my dirt collection that people contribute to. <laughs> How about that? So That's I have that awesome. thing, but it's the nicest jar. It's the biggest jar, and it's got like I don't know. It's got this clamp on it, that keeps everything tight, and it's got a, a right. it's got a Marine Corps seal on top of it. So it's one. And every time I look at it, it makes me smile and makes me happy. So. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your story but
1: no 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 that's that's I, I,
0: continue I, continue I, about being a that, continue about being a mama's boy
1: <laughs> well uh, let me get on to mom again, but that dirt so it's from Quezon. where it's really from is the rock quarry, which is a hill uh shit, just outside of Quezon. um within probably, you know, meters of where my father was killed and many were killed. Um, I have other dirt that I got on an earlier trip that wasn't quite as close. This is this is the hill. So, you know, for me, it has a lot. I'm, now I'm looking at my piece of dirt, too, because I got a jar just like yours. I liked your jar. Um, so that's where that comes from. Um, back to my mom, though. So when I started this thing, well, not started this thing, but let's say... 2015, as it's all coming together, 2013, 2014, 2015 is when I really start getting um, juice and I'm starting to move quickly. And a lot of things are starting to happen. I go from not knowing a a Gold Star son or daughter to knowing hundreds of them to now I'm doing interviews. I'm bringing the mobile Vietnam wall to the uh, Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Um, You know, I'm starting to do uh, TV spots. It's really starting to move. Um, I film for the first documentary. I'm going to Vietnam. All this happens in one year. I go to Vietnam. We film another documentary. And as I get back, and I think it's over, and we really start accelerating with movie releases and all that, I start bringing mom to everything. And mom stands back as she has, I realize, since really my father was killed. And never considers herself a gold star wife, girlfriend, fiance, whatever. That was always my story and my grandparents' story. And so mom would sit there proud and watch me. And, and, and then I realized that. And so then I started dragging her into it to the point where now she considers herself a gold star family. But it, it struck me that she never thought that up until that point. Um, because that's how mom lives. You know? right. <laughs> it's, it's for other people. And that's how moms dealt with, with grief over the years, which I realized is mom became a therapist, mom um, is a sounding board for a lot of people. And she never tells people what to do. But she always helps guide them to where they got to go. And it's usually through that, you know, through helping other people's that I realized that's how she helped herself. So that's a, that's
0: a little on mom. No, let me tell you, and uh, you know, and you're talking about in a day and age when your mom was d- dealing with all that, and we didn't talk right. about it, right? No,
1: no, no. It's the '70s. You
0: just, you know, you move on. Yeah, there there they, they was no diagnosis or discussion of of uh, PTSD or this kind of stuff. You just you know, you sucked it up and you heard the things that people, you know, say, which is other people have it worse, right? Right. Uh, Right. You you need to get over this stuff. You need to quit, you know, you you need to stop being so stuck on yourself and all the, I think, brutal things people say, because when you're on the receiving end of that and you've been through it, um, that shit's rough, man.
1: Right. And it's, it's... It, it's a, you know, do this, but there's really no outcome. It's just
0: try yeah, this, but, try that. But imagine, I mean, and I'd be curious. Um, it's really interesting when you ask somebody like your mom, you know, what's after dad was killed. What's the worst thing somebody said to you? And and, and you'll hear the things they say and and. and Normally it's from people that don't mean to be so callous, but what they're telling you is um you're not important. Your feelings aren't important. And when you've been through something that's devastating and then somebody tells you that you're not important, I mean that sucks, man. And and I and I hear people say that to me all the time. So what caused all this? Well, so and so said right. um I should just get the fuck over it. And I said, and I tell them, I think that's one of the most brutal things people say. Because what they're essentially saying is those feelings that are so big in your life, they're not important. Right. And, And they're like, why do you understand this? I said, because I'm gifted. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gifted i' i understand this shit i think about it why because i i'm a i'm a i'm a consumer first before i'm anything else man i'm trying to help myself i didn't get key, i didn't get i i didn't do any of this to do this i did it because i was struggling and so you know i i know, I know that path but when somebody tells you that your shit isn't important fuck man that's right. that's that's brutal. So I'd be curious to hear, you know, your mom's you know nineteen sixty eight uh, version of that. Like, what was the what was the most, you know? And I'm sure she'll think for about a nanosecond before she tells you because that's... I'm
1: I'm sure because there's times so recently it it, it comes up at weird times with my mom. Right. I, I, we don't she doesn't deal with it all the time. But recently, I had to prove. My relationship to my father, and that I was next to kin, even though I'm not on the official Mexican records. Why? Because my parents were engaged; they weren't married. His next to kin was my grandparents. Right. Uh, I was born on February 28th. He was killed on March 30th. You know, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of paperwork going back and forth, so never nothing got updated. Right. Well, here I am, 53 years later, and I got to line the dots up on why i'm a gold star son and when i say that and i've had to do it for vietnam i had to do it with my group i've had to do this so many times my mom just hits the roof she gets pissed because she's had to do this our entire life to prove that that i'm my father's son um and so it's a a raw it's one of the raw nerves that you strike with mom other things she lets roll off but you know I can I I'd like to hear that same answer that you just to the question you just asked of mom. Um what's the most brutal thing somebody has said to her.
0: Because because i and I would say in the spectrum, you know, having to substantiate who you are, that would be someplace in the middle. Yeah, you know, I hate it yeah. and it really pisses me off. But let me tell you what so and so said to me. Right? Yeah. One day, you know. Um and but again, and what i think what causes so much frustration despair and i think so much destructive behavior is people go looking for for an answer and they don't find a good one and and so as a result they stop doing the meds they stop you know uh going to therapy cuz it just doesn't help and then they're alone and they're faking it and they're um and they're numbing themselves with something and they're just right. getting through the day because their parents they're providers and you know, times the world doesn't stop for me. So I I got to keep doing my thing and they do. And so that's, again, that's why your example, Ronnie is such a, in my opinion, a big deal. And when you, you know, I earlier today, you know, I read, you know, what you wrote about, you know, trauma to joy. I haven't forgotten, you know, those words. And, um, and so, and so that, you know, that phrase, you know, and I'll read the quote again. This is last night he wrote this to me at 9, 10 p.m., <laughs> right? On a side note, just completed construction on the first peace home in Vietnam a couple of weeks ago. The second home near Khe Sanh is very close to completion. Your lessons have stuck with me. Help yourself by helping others. Turn trauma into joy. When you live that and then you show that to other people, there's no greater gift that you can give on the planet than that. Because the people that that you're helping are people that have gone through really, really difficult shit and they're in what I call the valley of the shadow of death. And they're down there hoping and groping for a way out. But, you know, we don't provide that. And that's why we've had four and a half times you know the number of killed in action, commit suicide once they've come home, because right. uh, because what we offer them isn't very good.
1: No, it can't be. It obviously it's not good. Right, right. You know. So. Um,
0: so what's so what's next? So okay, we've done the two <laughs> houses, right? Obviously, at some point we've got to go have a ceremony, which I want to be invited to, and because I got a passport, if I can go, I will get there. Um, so.
1: What's next? Well, okay. So interesting question because we are already in talks of what's next. What's next is a third piece home, and then there will be a trip to Vietnam. Um, I'm going to cover a lot of things. We're going to go to Vietnam, and I'm going to have a second wedding, Vietnamese traditional wedding to my wife. We've almost been married a year in Vietnam. And so here's part of the story. Now you have to
0: tell the rest of the story. Because right. you, your, your wife is Vietnamese. <laughs> right. This, right. This thing's come full circle, man. Right.
1: Right. Um, so, quickly, you know, my wife was born in 1971. She was born uh, in Binh Hoa, just outside of Bin, which is about 30 miles north of Saigon. Her mother works on base. It's one of the... Think about the on marines and what they had to go through every day, right? Right. Third, third canteen of water a day, maybe one sea rat a day, <laughs> a beer once a month. Uh, these guys have long been, 50,000 were there. They had three swimming pools, they had nightclubs, they had bars, they had uh, uh, brothels, um, you know, a whole different environment, right? Um, but they also get to hire people. And so my wife, Stephanie, her name's Ha, was born in 71 her mother worked on base and um and her father's an american soldier who we didn't know who he was that's how we connected and i was here just strictly to help her try to navigate military groups because she's coming from the AmorAsian side of business right? right you know i know how to deal the other side so I start trying to figure how we're going to do this um, long story short, we get through DNA and we get a match last year during COVID and we connected her father has since passed in 2006, but we found her half brother in Mississippi and her half sister in Phoenix. Who's three months younger than Stephanie and turns out to be half Vietnamese and is also admiration and and has the same father so stephanie's got a great family um but the life of an admiration and this is where i also draw, draw a lot of strength this is why it's a little easier for me now to look at the good in life because you're 1971 you're in the 70s you're half white You're taller than the rest of the kids. And my wife's only five, three, by the way. But when I go to a family event with her, she's taller than everybody. She's got lighter hair. She's beautiful. And she's discriminated against. They don't like her to go to school. They call her white dog, go home, go back to your country. Your dad killed my people, you know, my family, no running water, no, no electricity. Um, thatched roofs. I mean, you got to deal with the rain, and and, um, it's just a different lifestyle. She's delivering rice at at 12 years old to bring money for the family. She gets here when she's 19 with uh, her mom, her little sister, her daughter who's a year old, and her husband at the time. And she comes here, and on the way here, when she's in the Philippines, she doesn't even know why she's coming here until somebody tells her you're coming here to America because your father is an American. And up to that point, life was just dished to her, right? And she just did what she needed to do. And it was at that moment, I think that she got strength and came here and, and, you know, she's a driving force that she came here and she's opened up three businesses. She's successful family. All the kids are successful. And it's like, if that's not turning trauma to joy, you know I don't know what is. That my my little part of this is is nothing, you know, compared to that. And so, um,
0: amazing, isn't it? Though I mean, yeah, th- I mean, think of the complete metamorphosis in your life, Ronnie. Right, as you know, you grow up without a dad. Right, heavy, heavy, right. heavy, heavy burden. Right, right. And then on this journey of giving. And helping that ultimately helps you, right? It completely transforms the lens that lens that you view the world through, right?
1: That's a great way to put it. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. So,
1: you know, and then I look at my at, at, at my wife, and it's um, I got to go back when her mother her mother lived here, and she passed in 2019, and so I went back with the family. We were just started really dating at that point with the family. Back for a traditional uh, Vietnamese funeral, which lasts three days. And I get to live with the family, not just as a guest, as I was last time, where they roll out the red carpet and they say what they have to say, but as a family. And then you get a, and then I have a much better understanding of the Vietnamese people. And that in itself transformed how I look.
0: Wow. <laughs> Holy shit! That's what I mean, man. I mean, and it all comes from all these doors open because of what the, the giving piece, right? Uh oh. I know how to fix that. Not sure what happened, but you went underwater.
1: Oh, sorry about that. Okay. I'm going back. When did I leave off?
0: No, you were just talking about, um, you know, well, we were just talking about how the experience of seeing life through that prism that your wife right. looked through. I mean, yeah. I mean, and all that opens up because of this path that you got on to help other people. Crazy,
1: Right. And I think it's it's helped. My vision has helped her and her vision has helped me. So, again, through grief. And that's part of why we've done this together. So the first house being built right now is in the province that she was born, but not in her neighborhood. The second house is where my father was killed and getting back to what we're going to do next. The third house uh, is going to be walking distance from her family home where the family still owns six homes all adjoined uh that's all that's left out of the other 10 pieces of land they had um in a very poor neighborhood <clears throat> right behind a school that she was kicked out of and and in a place you know to to support that so um with family participation in this one so that's the next place we're gonna go um But I'm already thinking the fourth, you know, the fourth house, and then after the houses, I'm not sure where we go.
0: Wow. Well, let me tell you, it'll 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 pop in front of you one of these days, and you'll go, "That's it," because that's what happens to me. Yeah, that's what happens to me all the time. It's like, oh yeah, I guess I should be doing that now, right? And so, no, so it's but again, this thing, you know, I have this saying. Uh, I used to say good on top of good on top of good on top of good. And now I say, you know, great on top of great on top of great on top of great. Um, And and the catalyst for all of it is giving and helping. And then at the end of the day, it turns into a, a selfish act because it is what you get out of it right? The joy that you get out of this thing and helping other people and transforming them. If you could, if you could think of giving as a selfish act, um, you know, it, it kind of sort of is. And then all these other doors begin to open and, uh, the ability to touch more people happens in front of you. So, uh, yeah. So good luck on managing that, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, (laughs) it's, it's an interesting path. Um, but it seems a lot more clear now than it did, you know, a while ago.
0: Well, um, again, I think the the important thing is, is that somebody, right, somebody puts you on the path to, that connects the dots, um, that says, this is the way, right? You know, from, right. from trauma to joy, the activating event is giving and helping and once you get that in your head, and then, and then once you experience it one time, I think you have this epiphany where it's like, oh, what just happened here, right? And how good that felt. I mean, and if I'll tell you what, if you want a drug to get on, get on that fucking drug, man. That's a good. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good drug, and it's fr- and it's free.
1: And, and that's true. It becomes. But everything becomes almost crystal clear as you're talking about PATH. Because I just thought about, as you're saying, you know, help other people. I had this friend I went to high school with. I don't know him really well, but he's, you know, we're all kids running the streets of Orange County. I move away. I come back and, you know, I, I, I meet him and I talk to him. And what happened is him and his brothers become heroin addicts. He lives on the streets in Orange County three years. Fast forward to today. And he runs a drug and alcohol treatment center. And we had this conversation about giving back and he's all that's what drives him is that same thing when you learn, it's almost like you run into somebody that speaks the same language. You know, you're trying to explain this turn trauma into joy to, to, to live this by helping other people. And a lot of people are like, Okay, I, I want to know I want to know but then you meet that other person that's like, exactly. And you don't have to have that preface of of what you're trying to do. They intuitively understand it. And so you search those people out and you surround yourself by those people. And the more of those people you you help, the more powerful you are. So, you know, that's why I gravitate towards you. I gravitate towards some other people that that have that. Um, But the way you state it always, (laughs) it's simply stated and very strong. And it always makes sense to me.
0: Well, let me tell you, I think the power of all of that is is the truth. And 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 you know, when people that have that grew up like you did, Ron, um, when they open the door to you, the quickest way to get it slammed in your face is start pumping sunshine up their ass, because they've had they've had a lifetime of it. They've had a lifetime of it, and they hate it. And who can blame them? And so when when you look at people and you say the truth is you'll never get over that and you say what? Yeah. Right. Ever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, "Well, how come nobody's ever told me that before?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know, man. Cuz they're trying to make you feel good, pick a flavor, pick a reason. I don't fucking know. It's the most true thing I know, the first thing I I ever learned." And um, and then that opens the door to a conversation that ultimately for me leads to, you know, transforming somebody's life. And like and I said, the, it's and, and, and Ronnie's living it. And you know,
1: he, one of the things I tell people is, you know, you just said you, you don't get over it is when I run into And it was hard when I run into Gold Star families. I'm sorry to push this so long, but when right. I run into other Gold Star families. Oh, I know what it was. I was at a Gold Star family dinner that Richard Garcia put together for a memorial hike up to um behind uh Camp Worno. And um this is really more for current conflict families. But Richard always wants to make sure that I'm invited and part of it. And you know, we're obviously in different parts of grief, right? And I'm going around the room, everybody's introducing themselves. Richard always puts me last because you know I'm Vietnam era. But as I walk in, I meet somebody and he's a Gold Star family and I shake his hand and you know, I introduce myself and he's very timid. He's there with his uh, wife and son, I think. And he starts telling me about his son and his son was on the amphibious vehicle that sunk just off the California coast. And it was in that moment that it was so fresh that you just, I just melted. And there's not much you can say in that, in that moment except to acknowledge their grief. And I guess the way I handled it is I said, I'm a gold star son. I'll never understand what you feel. But I know my grandmother understands those feelings. And I can tell you there's times now where grandma goes back just like it was yesterday. And so, you know, that I, you know, apologize. We hugged, we had a moment. Um, and he thanked me at the end of the night. Um, we just tell him that little piece of information. Right. And it was just saying what you said. It doesn't go away. Grandma's 90 years old. Just have full life but it takes about 30 seconds to go back to that day.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things when I talk about you'll never get over this that I say is, I mean, go ahead and turn on the History Channel. You have guys who fought in World War II who haven't seen their car keys in 20 years. They they probably don't remember what county they live in, but if you ask them what they did in Europe or the Pacific in World War II, They'll tell you in slow motion, high definition, exactly what they did. And what does that tell you about the way trauma gets laser blasted into your head?
1: It's engraved like it was yesterday. Grandpa was 96 when he passed away two years ago. My dad's father, POW in World War II, captured on the way to the Battle of the Bulge, liberated by George Patton on his tank, crashing the gates. And my grandfather recalled it like it was yesterday. And that's not all he recalls, right. those are the moments he wants to share because other times I could see that he went silent when he could recall, you know, the Battle of Casino, you know, going through Italy into France. Um, so, yeah, it, it's laser engraved. It's amazing.
0: You know, and then your father, right, is doing his duty um, growing up in the house that he grew up in, right? His father, right. Uh, a World War II veteran. And so right. your father, like like you know, like many families. I mean, I grew up in that. It's my turn to go serve my country, right? This is my right. you know, this is what my family does. Um, did your grandfather ever talk about you know um, his thoughts on on when your father was killed?
1: Uh, yes, it, it's it changed over the years. Growing up, the, the very few times that it would come up, there'd be anger in it. Um, because, and now I understand as an adult, later in life and understanding a little bit more military history, the way the wars were fought were totally two different ways. Right. So to so my grandfather it made absolutely no sense on how Vietnam was fought. Um, and to a certain extent, I you know, there's, there's things I, I, I say the same thing. You know, we capture a hill, we take a body count, we move off the hill, it's re retaken over and we go back and capture it again. I mean, what, what are we doing? Um, so grandpa was mad more at that, but what grandpa always went to when he talked about those days and especially finding out was grandma, he focused on grandma. So I don't know if I ever really got to those, those thoughts because he would always be on, you know, how does he take care of my grandmother? How does she, you know, make sure she's okay. Um. So uh, interesting question. I really have to think about if I've heard anything more, but I think that that's what I recall.
0: No, I could imagine. I just could imagine, Ron, that that you know here he knows his son is following in his footsteps, right, to become yeah. a, you know, to go fight America's wars just like his dad did, and uh, and then you know his son's killed, and right. um, you know, and and I'm sure you know he couldn't help but think about you know. His role and in all of that, um, and I just uh, you know, as a father, um, you know, just in, in the quiet moments that you know, my son's now, yeah, my son's now gone, and uh, and for a war yeah. that was ill-conceived, poorly fought, and uh, and he was following in my footsteps. I mean, it, it, yeah. in his in his quiet time, uh, that had to be. That had to be, you know, difficult.
1: Difficult. I'm sure. And my grandfather was a quiet man when it came right. to that. And, and not only in the treatment of these, uh, of the veterans when they came home. Oh my god! You know, yeah. a big drive for what I did started in 2013, 14, really 15. Was I knew this was my shot to show my grandparents and give their son visibility and credibility. And the the honor he deserved because prior to that the only thing in the media that mentioned my dad's death was a small newspaper article listing nine men's names buried in the los angeles times it's maybe an inch and a half tall of column, right so i wanted to change that for them and i have and so grandma just enjoys it every time you know that she sees her son
0: i have the uh I had a similar experience. My grandmother's only brother was killed in World War II. He was on a destroyer, and uh, they were off the coast of Okinawa. He participated in every major fight in the Pacific, um, and they hit a mine. The mine explodes adjacent to the forward magazine on the ship where all the ammunition wow. is. The front third of the ship is, is blown off. Um nineteen of twenty four oh nineteen of twenty one officers are killed and a hundred and fifty of two hundred and eighty sailors are killed and they're lost, right? They're lost at sea. Right. And so my grandmother used to talk about how devastating it was not to have a body to, to you know to to bury, not to have a place to go on Memorial Day, uh, and see the Pacific Ocean and know that your son is his body somewhere in it. Um I was out of Pearl Harbor uh, speaking uh, for the Air Force, and uh, there's um, a national cemetery known as the Punch Bowl there. And it was the, just there? Yeah. A couple months ago. Well, and, and on the wall at the Punch Bowl are those missing, lost at the sea and missing uh, from right. the Pacific in World War II. And so I went and, and I saw his name. And while I'm there, the thought goes through my head this is all that's left of him. He was 24 right. years old when he was killed, and um, he never had a chance to marry or have children, to leave a legacy, and this is all that's left of him, you know?
1: You know, I, I went to Vietnam with two of my sisters whose father is still missing in action, and a third did another do- one of the other documentaries I'm in, and her father – is missing in action. All three were pilots. Uh, the third one, Jill Hubbs, who was the producer and director of they were our fathers, which is about gold star sons and daughters um, on Father's Day. Um, her father was lost in the Gulf of Tonkin. And I just found out that they still cannot get any clearance to do any. they know pretty much where he's at. No side sonar uh, sweeps, nothing. You know, as much as we try after all these years, and I can only imagine how frustrating that must be that they're not even looking this many years later. When in other parts of Vietnam, we're actively looking. Um, and we have better clearance.
0: Well, uh, so um, what's the reason why they're not looking?
1: Because the my understanding is the Vietnamese government won't allow that. They won't allow military ships or any, even private ships out there to, to do any sonar sweeps. So there's, there's and there's another daughter, you want to deal with, you know, trauma. A Gold Star daughter, her father launched off the Gulf of Tonkin right during the, the beginning of the war. Because of the time, and it was a few degrees outside of the official combat zone, She went to the Vietnam Wall uh, several years ago, went to look for her dad's name. It wasn't there because he wasn't classified as a Vietnam casualty, even though he was. And he would have been the first uh, one of the first names on the wall. So they're not even looking for him. And they know pretty much that area he's dead. Fast forward to current conflict and her son goes and fights in Iraq and is killed. So not only is she a gold star daughter, she's a gold star mother. And uh I I guess, I guess that's what always sets me back and makes me think. I'm like, as bad as things are for me, it's still somebody else that it's it's worse for. You know, I went through something else. So I know we just went off a little bit, but
0: No, no, it's all it's you know, most of it is tangentially related to the, you know, what we're talking yeah. about, which is your incredible journey, you know, um, from losing your dad when you were how many months old?
1: I was uh, a month old,
0: a month old. Your father gets killed. My dad
1: was, my, yeah, my dad was 19, uh, in two weeks. So he'd only turned 19 two weeks prior to his death.
0: And so, I mean, this whole incredible, um, I, I hate the word journey because it sounds it sounds so <laughs> lame in my opinion. But this this trip you're on, you know that that literally has taken you, you know from you know numbing yourself to the trauma that you live with, uh, the void in your life of not having a father, um, to the place that you are today, you know where you can now, you know I'm sure you always valued the mom that you had. But, you know, now that there's ways that you're honoring your dad, I'm sure your mother is incredibly proud of you. Um, there's the work you're doing with uh, uh, with your wife um, in Vietnam and uh, the incredible, I mean, life-changing work that you're doing for people in Vietnam. And then the example you set for other Gold Star kids that, you know, there's things that you can do, you know, and you can – you know, create an incredible amount of joy uh in your life by doing these things. And so I I'm a huge fan of yours, Ron. I think that, you know, the path you're on is is the path to live a great life. And uh, and, uh first of all congratulations on on the work you've done and uh don't fuck up the work you're gonna do, all right? Stay after <laughs> it. And and it, anytime you do something good um anytime you do something good, shoot me a note and I'd love to Uh, Keep the story updated because let me tell you, I know that you probably don't realize uh, the inspiration that you provide for others, but you do, you know, you do. I mean, and and people will listen to it and they'll think, you know what, I'm exactly like that, dude. You know, my circumstances are a little bit different, but I'm essentially in the same place, you know, and if he can do it, I mean, hell, I can do it. And that's exactly what you want people to do. That's exactly what you want people to think,
1: yeah, well you know, and I don't you're right i don't I don't think about that, I just march my own way. Um, I've told you before I, I have a a little short on patience for some of my brothers and sisters, gold star brothers and sisters that live like their dad died yesterday, and it's guided their whole life that way and it's it, it's frustrating at points when I think it's a little it, it's a simple switch. It's not that simple, obviously. And so what I do is I, I don't school anybody on the gold star family side in in my circle. Uh, I don't announce things I do. I just do it. And I live my life and I post it on my stuff. I don't post it in any of the private groups and I'm just hoping that over time and I've seen it that people start coming around and they see it for themselves because you're right. You can't force feed this stuff. Like everybody's been force fed. It's not gonna work, you gotta steal it
0: well and i and and to me um I had this conversation with somebody over the weekend who um she and her husband are in law enforcement first responder professions, and so you know they their lives are f- filled with traumatic events, so she wanted him to come to my pre- my seminar with her, and he told her no I'm okay um and i told and and she's like. He's just not ready. And I said that, you know, look, I hear that all the time. The most powerful influence that he's going to have in his life is seeing the way that you've changed. And that's what you've done for people. They're like, have you talked to Ronnie lately? Like, well, not in a while. Well, that guy has lost his mind. What's he doing? He's building homes in Vietnam. He's doing this. He's doing that. Like, what's got into him? Well, here's what he... Here's what he's doing, and I've been watching him, and so I'm going to do this. And I had to just tell you, just from me dabbling in it, it's changing my life, and that's that's the power of your example. And again, we all like yeah. to poo-poo. Um, let me tell you, I didn't I didn't set out to do this. What I do, I mean, I just have gone through the doors that have that have opened for me. And I just keep going through them. I just keep going through them. And at some point, post-medic winning is going to go boom and it's going to be a big deal because it works. And like I said, our traditional path, you know, the industrial way of of big mental health is the American Medical Association isn't on it. The American Psychiatric Association is in on it. The trial lawyers are in on it. Big pharma, big pharma is in on it. Big insurance is in on it, right? And they all agree this is the way we go. Nobody gets sued. Uh, I have a question: Does it fucking work? <laughs> Who's that guy? How did he get it? He didn't hear. Because see, I have these charts, and so suicide going up in the DOD every year. It's about to triple. So what I would say, not knowing, because I'm not an Ivy League person like you guys are, I would tell you this doesn't fucking work very good. And I just got this study from Brown University where we have four and a half times as much suicide as we had killed in combat. Have you seen this study? Now, again, I'm not a Mensa or anybody gifted like that. okay? <laughs> but if you t- asked, told me that this is, this is the, the results that you deliver, you know what I'm going to say to you? Fuck you, man. Take that shit out of here. Okay, call security, get his ass out of here, right? Who is that guy? How did he get in here? Where were we? Yeah. Fuck that. No, exactly. what what works is important. And yeah. and again, um I think elements of all that are components because this path that I call post-medic winning is a wide path. Right? Why I may not um uh, why I may not take medications other people may and what I'm an advocate for is you got to have a grown-up conversation with your doctor, and you got to get right. your doctor to help you. And if that shit is not right. helping you, tell them, can I take natural things? Would you help me find those things? Could I take different meds, lower doses that don't have the side effects because I hate this shit?
1: Yeah, and, and I, and I want to clarify. I'm not anti-medication. I'm right. just talking about my journey personally on what – work for me and it, part of it was you know taking that away and, and it's almost a crutch but uh you know well, it's, n- let me tell it's
0: you it, it can sure. it can be a crutch and so what what to me what grown up people argue for is you know grown up conversations and it's the same thing with therapists i would tell you that most of the therapy that goes on in the country is not very good okay yeah. but if you it, but talking about it is certainly a huge part of this thing and so if you have a great therapist, so be it. If you don't have a great therapist, go try to find one and, and learn right. from them. Because let me tell you who's going to turn into your therapist, your friends, right? Your, spou- right. your spouse. That's who's yeah. going to turn. But you learn some of that stuff by going to therapy, by talking to people, and then you migrate what you learn into the conversation with your spouse, into the conversation right. with your good yeah. friends. And then pretty soon you're like me. I go to therapy all the time. I just go with my friend.
1: Right. I, I, You know what? I do the same thing. I search it out different. Right. Um, you know, because you know the components of it. Right. Um, and I'd be talking to my mom or somebody else, or sometimes I am almost the therapist to somebody else. Right. That's my therapy, right? As it should um, be.
0: But as it should right. be, though, because that's what works. And right. again, but conversations with clergy members. learn from those people learn from the conversation and then migrate what you learn into the conversation with your spouse into the conversation with your with with your friends and do the same thing with uh do the same thing with therapists you'll learn from them go use them and then pretty soon what you're going to do is you're going to create infrastructure in your daily life right and you're going to think you know what i didn't used to do any of this that's
1: that's a great point uh you know, my son was on medication I
0: used to just suck it the fuck up Yeah As stupid as that sounds But it's, I mean, it's its, it's all that's left For God's
1: sakes You know, we just You know, I put my son on When he was in fourth grade He was diagnosed with adolescent bipolar By the way, I don't believe in that diagnosis I'm more healthy Pre-adolescent um, And ADHD And so, there we are We got a four, fourth grader on medication all the way till his senior year. In his senior year, uh, his mother and I, after almost 30 years together, um, split and we're in the process of divorce. And so my son stayed with me. Um, and I kind of made a choice and I talked to a psychiatrist, I talked to his therapist, I talked to his school. I talked to everybody about taking the medication away because part of what we kept doing was, well, we got to change the medication to this. We got to do it to this. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And it was rough, but over time he started dealing through, you know, getting help with these issues on his own. And so a kid who almost didn't graduate high school, um, towards the end of high school, started running high school track graduated high school, was in theater, went to a junior college, uh, almost failed out the first semester, then became an academic athlete, ran track, was on a transfer course, is now at Cal State Long Beach. He's on the varsity rowing team, never rowed a day in his life, and another academic scholar. And he's not on any medication or therapy, but doing what you just said. We have these conversations. And we look for those building components and those teaching moments. And I took the tough shit, I don't buy that shit attitude with them and have very frank conversations. And it seems to work. Um, I I think one time he called me, he was crying about something. And I said, don't be a bitch. And I hung up on him. He called me back five minutes later. He's all right. Okay. And then we had a real conversation. It's kind of those slaps in the face approach that is worked. so I know it's it, it's related but it's unrelated but that's that's my little story my son is his success is more important than my success as is my daughter's right because those are our children so I I want to stop that cycle I've been stop that grief cycle I'm going to stop that excuse cycle I'm going to stop all of that with with myself so that I can be an example for them
0: well I would tell you this um there's a book called the body keeps the score and it's really interesting. And the guy talks about his kind of journey as a medical professional um, in the early seventies. Breakthroughs in MRIs, breakthroughs in pharmacology and this whole notion that, Oh, Oh, You just have a chemical imbalance, so we're going to solve the chemical imbalance with very, very powerful and strong brain-altering drugs, and then you're going to be fine. And he kind of takes you on this his whole journey of coming full circle on that. Not that he's anti-medication, but he now believes that the situations that, that that applies to are very finite and small. And that we've over-prescribed for a few decades now um, those medicines to the great harm of you know many people, and that I mean think of think of all the Ritalin that got prescribed in the nineties, right? Oh, it's yeah. a chemical imbalance, <laughs> you know. Right. And so, um, so again, I think that where everybody is on that wide path of post traumatic winning, whether it were therapy or medication. That's for you to figure out. The important thing that you have to have is you got to have have people that mentor you that look at you and say, you've got to really have an honest conversation. Stop lying to your doctors. Because, I mean, especially as guys, it's what we do, so we don't have to go back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> right. we don't have a problem, I had a problem, not really a problem, but it's kind of like this, yeah,
0: yeah, but I'm okay, right, yeah, no, I don't need right. that, or however we do it, have a grown up conversation, yeah. let them help you, but you've got to own it, and if you're not comfortable with it, then you have to tell them that, yeah, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to do that, and so that is the beginning of you know of a solution yeah. and and a solution that you will craft. And so to me, this wide path, you know, starts with you're not going to get over it. Starts with, you know, it's a normal part of life. Starts with trauma is trauma is trauma. Stop, starts with stop faking it. Starts with you've got to talk about it, right? And then physical yeah. fitness, financial fitness, right? And then if you struggle with trauma, you've got to stop drinking and do a drug, period. No negotiations, none of that. And so, and then once you get through all of that, then you can say, okay, now you want to transform your life. I just got your dumbass out of the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, if you want to stay out, you got to live with self-discipline. All right, you've got to do these things on a regular basis, and then you've got to figure out once you get off the path, because you will, how you quickly get back onto it, because that's part of it. You got to have a plan for that. Okay, now that I've I've got you out. And I'm told you the secret of staying out. You want to transform your life? Be Ronnie Reyes. Yeah. Be, be Ronnie fucking Reyes, man. Go. Ahead. Know, my way out.
1: My way out when I when it gets bad is uh, I'm, I got to go speak somewhere, and okay. it's that preparation for that speech that brings me back around and focus back on. All right, quit being a bitch. It's not just quit crying about life.
0: Uh, you know? But, you know. But again, it, it's normal to cry about life. Um, sure, and, sure. And, but it's and, what you're going to do with it. And right. As long as you
1: let yourself wallow in it. If you could be in it. You need to be in that grief and that pain. You've got to experience it. Your-
0: but, again, but- Ronnie, most people don't know what you know, though. That's the problem. I mean, because I go and do my thing, and they look at me like, where have you been? I'm like, right. I, I don't know. I've been places. <laughs> Obviously, you <laughs> weren't at them, but – Like don't get don't get mad at me, please. Like no, like fuck, man. Everything you just said made so much sense. And here you
1: are, you are the most humble arrogant guy I've ever met in my life. I mean that in a positive way. This is what I mean. Is I love the way that you take charge and come across, but the humbleness is where you've been and where you served in the service to our country. That's the part that you play down um, and and i really i'm always in awe uh you know when i talk to you and then after the fact you know i said who i talked to you're like you what you what who i'm all but you don't, don't, worry about don't
0: well, you know, me, that up. well let me just tell it's you.
1: about it's about your the, the arrogance and the confidence in this program and ptsd winning and trauma to joy and man i can learn from it i embrace it i i I I do strive to do some of those things that you do in that manner. And I think that's why I've become more pointed over the last few years.
0: No, I'm going to tell you, it's exactly why. But let me just tell you, I've had the privilege of seeing, you know, your dad fight, right? Not him personally, but people who walk in his, you know, in his boot prints. And it's humbling, right, to see their selfless courage, Right. And and not, you know, and not every few weeks, but any time you ask them, right, any time you ask, they will risk their lives and put their lives on the lines for civilians, for each other. I mean, it's 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 amazing. And and that's had an incredible impact on me. And um, they've always been my heroes, starting when I was a little kid. And um, and so. The fact to think that I could do something that would either ease their pain, help them uh, in some way, shape or form to me is incredibly motivating and at the same time, extremely humbling. You know, I mean, who the fuck am I? I'm mean, like, I'm nobody, you know, but I, have I, I pay attention. I work hard. I listen. And after listening for, you know, two and a half years, I came up with this thing that that helps, and now I I've, I've started doing it for into the third year, and and um, it's I would dare say it's almost magical on uh, what happens. And I watch it now. I do online seminars with civilians, and Ronnie's going to hop in the next one. And the conversations that you have with different people that will tell you these terrible stories, absolutely positively terrible stories, and then how their life is now changing. Um make you cry, absolutely make you cry and but it's 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 men like your father that have inspired me, that I understand the sacred obligation um, I believe that I have to to share this, this thing, and to help other people and again and and people like you, Ronnie, are powerful ambassadors to this thing because I will tell them I, you know and and you know, hey, do you want to meet somebody who's gone down this path? Oh, well, yeah, and they meet a very, very plain-spoken human being like you, right? And um, and you tell them, yeah, it's no bullshit, man. It's no bullshit. Here's what I do, and then like, wow, if he could do it, I can do it. And that's why, that's why again, what you're doing is so important. Is is so incredible uh, because of. Uh, not only the the impact of the work you do, but the, the impact of the work you do on others that are watching you and then hopefully will emulate you and then find the same joy that you found in your life and then begin to give it to others. And that's how we get after this thing. That's how we get after this thing. All right, so what haven't I asked you today that you need to say before we get done or this is not complete?
1: Uh, there's... Uh... I just alluded to something. It's a little off topic, but I don't think it is. It was, I was talking about, you know, my, my divorce to my kid's mom, right? Right. Um, and of course, that's a tense time and everything else. And you know, I was talking about my son. Um, my daughter was in college at the time at George Washington University, um, on partial scholarship, a fantastic student, but obviously a tense time and divorce blows. So let's fast forward to now. And I'm, in a, in, you know, I'm married for almost a year. I've been with my wife for a couple of years. Both families are fully integrated. Um, I have a great relationship with, you know, my ex-wife and the kids come over and they've accepted and treat, uh, my new daughter. Who I treat just like a daughter. And we've blurred all those lines. There's no their side, your side, our side, my side, um, the kids and their mom in Hawaii right now, we've been in contact because we were just in Hawaii. And and if you drop all the bullshit of who's right, who's wrong, life really is a lot easier. Because we could sit here and still be arguing about this or that. And what happened, because our families have done that, our extended families have dropped that hate too. Because what happens during uh, divorce is everybody takes sides. You know, and, it, and it's familial. So in this point, you know, if that can be an example of how it was about how bad it was or what was going on, um, you can look at it different. And so the conversation that I've had both with my with my wife and, and my ex wife is, I said we were together 30 years, we were married for about 24. Um, but the way I always say it, and I told it to my ex wife, and she agreed, I'm all, look, the marriage wasn't bad. 25 years at least was great. So let's be successful with the kids that we raised, the 25 years of great marriage that we had together, and put aside that last four or five years and learn a lesson from it. And I think once we buried that and put that aside and we focused on those things and what formed our family and our kids to who they are, and now accepting my you know, my daughter um, – You know, now I have a nine year old daughter. Uh, So that's that's just kind of how I want to leave it. Another example of kind of how I look at things and by taking the lead, knowing it's the right thing to do and taking that lead, everybody came along and they bought into it and they believe it. And now they all live it with me. Um, And so I
0: do see that impact. That's hard. That all makes sense. Well, no, that's hard. You know, I mean, those are, those, are, for a lot of people, those are raw feelings that, you know, pretty hard to, um, um, pretty hard to deal with. And, um, you know, yeah, I, but
1: what's harder, watching, it, watching, it, you know, watching your friend get blown up somewhere, get shot, die in a traumatic way, or divorce?
0: Well, I mean, so, that's you know, how do the, you look at it. No, it, it's simply a question of, how you acquired it and it can be as I mean <clears throat> devastating is devastating right so yeah. it could be such that um this thing this divorce that doesn't leave my life that continues to inflict damage right that conf right. that continues to inflict damage on a daily basis um is something that has been absolutely devastating to my life, right? Because I I haven't found a way to deal with it. Right. right? And
1: you get power to it. You get power to that. Time, power, and brain thought. You could be focusing on something else. And that's kind of how I look at things too. If I get too far into something, how am I dealing with it? I'm wasting too much time. You need to spend time. I agree, but it's too much time at some point, and you got to make a decision and, and get moving. And
0: live a happy life. Well, you know what? There's the bottom line.
1: That's it.
0: To live a happy life, you know. Again, not to live a great life, not to be okay. You know, I mean, but the goal is to live a great life, not just to be resilient, not just to to be okay, but to live great. That's the goal. And right. you know, again, and I, I I think when once you begin to bring joy back in your life. I think a lot of different things look different to include divorce and things like that. And yeah. uh, I just, you know, a friend of mine uh, called me I don't, probably about a year ago and, and said, hey, you're divorced. You got any advice for me? And I said, yeah, treat her with respect. Right. Be Absolutely. Not, be, especially be, in front of their kids. Right. Be nice. Be nice to her and go out of your way to help. And yeah. uh, it's not easy. And at first it's it's uh-huh. straight up hard. But over time, um, right. you will thank God. And uh, yeah. about, I don't know, a couple months ago, he said to me, "He goes, hey, that's good advice." He said, "You know, he said I saw her the other day, and we had a great conversation, and and uh, blah 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 blah." I said, "Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's." My about- daughter
1: came to me. My daughter's a you know woman of few words sometimes, and she came to me several months ago, and she's like just a frank conversation. She starts launching on divorce and she's like you know what i'm pretty lucky dad i'm like, why she's all i talking to other kids my age you know kids she's 26 um, <laughs> whose parents have gone through divorce <laughs> um, and one of them like you know the dad's a, a drug addict and she wants to make sure that she answers the call every time because she never knows it's the last time or the parents were you know alcoholics or they fought or they were abused and she's like you know what we have a pretty good and they don't get along with the other side, and she's all, and, and she's all, and she's all, thank you. She thanked me for that and for her, you know, her mom that we, we do that. Um, wow. You know, again, it's, it's bigger than ourselves, right? What lessons did we just teach our children?
0: Yeah, but interestingly enough, you know, this this tends not to migrate into the world of trauma. You know right. that it lives in other places, but what's I think different about I think post traumatic winning is it takes the same. You know perspective, and it and it and it moves it into the world of trauma and say, yeah, you can live a great life, but this is what you got to do, and it's certainly not easy. You know, as you could attest to, it certainly behavior change isn't easy, but uh, but you can do it. You can absolutely do it. All right, I've taken enough of your time today. Um, Anybody who's looking to get a hold of you after listening to to this, how how do they do that?
1: Uh, The best way I just went on. I haven't updated the site in. Over a year, but you can go to Ron ronreyes.com, R O N R E Y E S.com. There's, um, it's not a finished page, but it gives you some overview of places I've been, places I've spoke. You'll see links to several of the podcasts on your site. Um, there's links to both movies I've been in, um, Washington Post, New York Times, you know, all those things. But right. at the very bottom, it's really simple. You just throw in a message or anything you want, and okay. you can email me, um, and I'll get it
0: and what's the name of that site?
1: ronreyes.com
0: ronreyes.com that's really Very easy easy Ray- Or you
1: can email me at get this one ron dot <laughs> ronreyes.com it'll go right to me
0: ron and reyes is spelled r e y e s right? that's for, right for those of you that aren't fluent all right thank you so much man i always love right. to- i love talking to you as i said you know, I'm really proud of the work you've done. I know someplace your dad's looking down at you and saying, that's my son. And, uh, you know, it's part of the Ray's, uh line of uh, uh, men who've walked the planet in your family that have served this nation. And you continue to do it in your own way, way Ron. And so uh, congratulations.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to talking to you soon again.
0: All right, bud. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye. There you have it. That is uh, Ron Reyes. Didn't think that would go, go that long, but. I love talking to that guy. He does it. Anyway, this uh that interview and this program repeats itself momentarily. Yeah, if you don't think post-traumatic is a real thing, <laughs> you heard from another one right there. Anyway, have a great uh have a great Monday. If I can help you help somebody else, you know how to get a hold of me. Allmarineradio.com, all that contact information comes to my corporate headquarters, which is right here in, uh, which is right here in my my garage, yeah, Studio One in my garage. I got to name it. Thing. Have a great day. Mark Kansian joins us tomorrow. Retired Marine Colonel, think tank guy. We'll talk about we'll talk about where the Navy and the Marine Corps are relative to budgets and uh, and transforming themselves so don't miss out it'll be interesting. It's the interesting discussion, right relative to both services. will Congress fund them at the levels they need to be funded to continue their transformation because it does not look like the Biden administration. Um does not have this on their agenda anyway, with that said, I'm out. Have a great one.